This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Rebecca Herman, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you, Cheryl. Wonderful to be here. Now, I am going to introduce you because um, our listeners will be very, very familiar with your voice and they're probably thinking what's going on. Rebecca does the intro and outro for this podcast and she is the founder of Belinda Audio. I am. Actually, I completely forgot that I did the intro and outro. You're so right. right. That's right. So your voice is going to be familiar. Yes. We've got you in here. This is unusual because we we usually only talk to people that have written a book, but we feel that your story is worth telling and we think that our listeners would love to hear about it because I'm intrigued. Um, So I want to talk about your career, but I also want to talk about audio um, and the change that we've seen over the years in the way that people take stories in. Yes. Okay. So tell me firstly about Belinda Audio. Okay, Belinda Audio, it seems like such a long time ago. Um, I was very fortunate that my grandparents were booksellers. So I grew up in a home of lots of books and and opening books from Penguin Books and and places like that. And so I was was exposed to audio, or well, not audio books, but books from a very young age. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in, um, I was born in Essendon and grew up in Keeler Park. And my my great-grandparents had a bookstore in Collins Street back in the 40s and 50s. And so this is Melbourne, Victoria. Yeah, this is Melbourne, exactly. (laughs) Forgot, (laughs) Forgot that I was in Sydney. Yeah. Yes, that was in in Melbourne. And um, then my grandfather uh, joined the business and turned it into ultimately a library supply company when libraries took off, I think it was in the 50s or 60s. So you've got a bit of entrepreneurial um, in your blood. I do. I'm I'm fourth generation. I think my dad was meant to lose it (laughs) or whatever. But yes, yes. So it's fourth generation essentially, but all very different businesses. But, you know, the passion for books and reading and libraries and books stores and and everything came from being around that and so there's know, a thread it's not that you've gone off to sell walnuts or anything like <laughs> no, that no 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 <laughs> there's a thread you know books yes. and and loving books and and just spending a lot of time in libraries when I was a really young girl like my grandfather used to take me on um, you know, showroom trips and things like that to every library basically in Victoria. And then my dad did as well because he joined the business, I think it was for 12 or 18 months. And, you know, like all family businesses, it either works or it doesn't and it didn't. And But in that period of time, he started um, distributing audiobooks from the UK into Australian libraries 
on cassette. So, so this is back in wow. like the 80s, late 80s. So your dad yeah. was working for your grandfather yes. and that didn't work out so well. That didn't work out so well. Okay. No, no. So then how did – was it that business that formed into Belinda Audio? It did, yes. So it actually – it it had, a, it had another life before that actually. So what it did, it turned into um, a business. So they decided – Phil, had, who's my father, basically um, – is very innovative. He's like a true entrepreneur. He's like always looking for new ideas and he loves libraries and he's a salesperson, you know, so lots I of relationships. I ran into him oh, did you? in the Qantas Lounge <laughs> oh, okay. a he's, long time ago. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It would have been at least, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know, eight or nine years ago yeah. and we exchanged business cards and yes. two total strangers. He just started yeah. talking to me and pitching the business. Yeah, he knows Yes. It doesn't matter where I am in the world, somebody knows him. So he's a mm. real people collector mm. and he's just very proud of the business and he's still in the business, which yeah. is which is fantastic. He's your little viral marketing tool. He is. <laughs> he, he absolutely is. And it's unbelievable whether it be debut authors that he meets or self-published yeah. authors, there's always someone and he calls on libraries for us basically oh, all over he? the country. So right. he's had a, you know, he's been, had relationships for, you know, 40, 50 years with a lot right. of our customers. So, um, and he still loves it. I mean, he's, he's still starting to wind down and he always talks about this exit strategy but I can just see that you know if he was to, to stop the sparkle in his eye would would fade and we don't want that to happen no because no, <laughs> yeah. it's essentially part of who you yeah, are yeah so he started a large print publishing company essentially oh, while wow. he was in his father's business which you know at the time there was really there was a lot of large print books and audio books coming into Australia from overseas markets but there was really nothing um, no one really advocating for Australian authors and Australian voices, which basically Australians wanted to listen and read in large print and on audio. So he really pioneered Australian voices in those two categories in a in a massive way because mm. we were like, we've got better authors than, than overseas authors and, you know, and we need to make them available in more accessible formats. And mm. at the time, libraries very much had separate budgets from their book budgets to buy these large print books and to buy buy audio books on cassette. So, so isn't that interesting that that, I mean, you know, um, a lot of the publishers in this country are owned by multinationals or owned by parent companies that are either in the UK or the US. Yes, yes. And in, it hasn't been until the last 10 years that we really have been concentrating on Australian content and Australian writers. That's right. In the way that we have. Yes, but yes. But he was doing it way back then. He was, yeah. So, you know, he published every major, uh, every night, every time that I go to the Arbias and they do this wonderful video of Australian authors over the years. I think, gee, my business, our business has published in some shape or form, whether it be large print books or audio books, one of those authors, you mm. know, it's incredible. It is incredible. Yeah, hundreds. And, you know, our back our back catalogue of audio books are some of the best Australian authors, yeah. you know, to have ever lived, yeah. which is fantastic. And what's really interesting too is that they all vary different businesses like, like mm. you know, bookstore, library suppliers, large print, audio, but it's all mm. coming to the one point, isn't it? It it's is now. It's kind of progress. Yeah, 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 it has because really there was large print, large print hasn't moved outside of libraries. No. And I think that... That, that it's is too bulky. It, it is, and it's and it's shrinking. And now with ebooks, you can increase the size mm. and all of that. So large print has has not that it's had its day. It's just got more niche and smaller than ever. Yeah. And audiobooks have just defied 
everything, yeah. you know, in terms of consumption, in terms of, you know, when I started out because I went to my he, – he basically gave me a job when I was studying at uni and I used to be an international so what, model essentially. Oh, were you? Yeah, So you I went was. from modelling. I went from modelling. <laughs> so he got – you know, again, my dad created all these opportunities for me and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But I've always just loved working. You know, yeah. that's been my number one thing. I've always wanted to be busy and be doing something and making a difference. And he always said to me, just always do what you love. So, you know, that's you, what I really pursued. So, Junior, before you yeah. came today, um, my team was asking about you because, yes. you know, we work with you yes. and, and they hadn't met you. And I said, okay, I'm going to describe her. She's beautiful. <laughs> She's larger than life. And she walks into a room and she has a presence. Oh. And Wow. that is you. Thank you. Thank it really you. is you. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> um, and then you brought that to business. Absolutely, yeah. Tell me how yeah. that happened. Yeah, so again, goes back to my dad, incredible man. Um, he gave me a job when I was, you know, I I went to school early, so I'd finished high school, started university when I was 18, and he he's massively into harness racing, and he needed somebody to be, to enter this modelling competition and fashion on the field, so I rock up, I'm dressed in whatever. He said, you have to go into this competition but you're not going to win it and I said that's fine so I was in it he introduced me to a modeling agent and I started modeling and in between modeling and studying um, he gave me a job basically selling audiobooks from British publishers to public libraries throughout um, he gave me the New South Wales Territory so I used to drive I used to fill the boot of my car so you lived with in audiobooks Sydney? I know I lived in Melbourne oh. I used to fill the boot of my car with all these audiobooks on cassette I used to take crates into libraries and they would select them mm -hmm. and I would write up by hand yeah. <laughs> you know all of the orders essentially and he gave me the audiobook time to kill by John Grisham he said you know it goes for nine hours you would have finished it by the time you get there. And I was absolutely addicted. You Hang know, on a second. So you drove to do your – you commuted. I commuted, yes. From – Yeah, listening Mel to audiobooks. From Melbourne to, audiobooks. to Sydney, yes. a nine-hour drive for, yep. those, of the list, for yep. those of our listeners who live overseas. That's a nine-hour drive yep. to do your job. Yep. You can only do that when you're young. No, you can. I think you can because I think, gee, would I do that now? No. No. But, you know, then I think – but that's what made me who I am, you know, and it's mm -hmm. all that time spent out with customers and knowing what they were trying to How do for their customers. How long would you customers. stay here? Oh, two or three weeks at a time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. And, you and know, then drive I used back. To, I used to write huge orders, you know. I used to have $200,000 weeks. Wow. It was unbelievable, you know, calling over, calling on every library throughout <laughs> Sydney. Essentially, wow. it was fantastic. And I used to love it because I used to drive around and listen to these audio books and I could hand sell them, mm -hmm. you know. And then what had happened is... I'd done modelling stints overseas and I came back one time and I said, you know, Dad, there's really nobody producing audiobooks by Australian authors and I think I know how to do it because, you know, I'm in the modelling industry, I've spoken to my agents, booking actors would be the same as booking models, they've given me the rundown on it, um, let's do it. You know, and he was like, yeah, okay, So being let's do read it. <laughs> by Australian voices. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. That's a moment, isn't it? It is, it is. And it was through my relationships 
with my agent, who was Greg Tyshing in um, Australia, he introduced me to Terence Donovan and he was one of the first people who um, I hired to, to narrate an audiobook for us, which was The Breaker by Kit Denton, wow. which is Andrew Denton's father. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's extraordinary that a modelling career can have that transferable skill. It is. It? it is. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. Absolutely. And... You know, I think for the first 10 years of my career, I just lived in fear (laughs) because I was like dealing with all these big publishers who had published books and I felt so out of my depth. You know, I'm like, here I am, you know, I've got an arts degree, my family's entrepreneurial, I'm trying to get this business off the ground and I just need them to have faith in what it is that I'm doing. And at the time, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation was massive, you know, unbelievably well-funded and they were doing a lot on audio but it was all abridged. Or they were doing a lot of um, the live reading on radio and you know they were just hiring some of the best names in the business so basically this was my money mine and my dad's money we like mortgaged everything and we started small and we just chipped away at it and I can't tell you how many times it was just like a no and a no because we're up against the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. What do you mean it was a no? So you would... (sighs) Talk to me about that, the process Just in terms of, you know, going to publishers and asking them to sell audiobook rights to me, to take a chance on me and what vision I had for the audiobook category for the next 10, 20, 30 years, essentially, you know. So my big break actually came from Bryce Courtney, believe it or not. So I had pitched and pitched and pitched to Peg McColl at Penguin and um, she said, I've got a meeting set up for you with Bryce. She said, make sure you wear colour because I always used to wear black because I was a model and all of that. And it's easy, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I think you always look good in black. <laughs> and so I had lunch with him um, and I think the Melbourne Casino who had just opened at the time. And he he actually did write me a note. He said, you know, um, you're really smart. You've got heaps of passion and I know your business is going to go places. And so I'd be really honoured to, you know, have you publish all of my books on audio uh, throughout the world. Wow. Um, as long as I can be involved in, in, in the casting process, which he was. And seriously, we discovered one of the most amazing voices, I think, in the history of audiobooks, which is Humphrey Bauer, yeah. who has read all of we, – we basically published all of um, Bryce's books back-to-back, and I think it was like – Read a, by him. Yeah, no, read by Humphrey Bauer. Yeah. yeah, for six months, I think. So Humphrey went in, beautiful, like he'd been on holidays and came out and he was exhausted. He yeah. said, I can't read another book for a while. So – and that was the big break because once, once at the time, you know, this is in the 90s, Bryce was the number one oh, yeah. seller, you yeah. know, in this market. He was a number one author and, you know, he'd written Louis the Fly, you know, advertising well, and see, all this of that. Is... He was incredible. So he came from it at a completely mm. different angle. He understood storytelling. He understood what it is that I was trying to do because this is when the category really didn't exist except for selling it to libraries and for it serving a purpose for people who are blind. Mm. You know, mm. that was it. I was going to say that for him, yeah. you know, having him is one, he, uh, the books were incredibly popular and still are. Still I mean, are. Still, we, yeah. Look, they're still in our top ten. Yeah. Believe it or um, not. Yeah. Uh, but also he did have that agency background. He yes. had that advertising. So he knew marketing. He did. 
Yeah, he did. and I think he, he would have got it. He did. He got it straight away. And he was visionary. Away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just so, I'm so grateful that he saw in me yes. just that spark and that passion because I think, you know, for the first 15, 20 years of my career, it was a real hard slog because there was no iTunes and there was no digital downloading and there really was only this cassette market, you know, and it wasn't growing anywhere near um, the rate at which it is now, you know. So it was, it's been a really long turn for many, many years, but I've just, you know, I really think that audiobooks are like one of the most democratic forms of reading mm-hmm. because you just, you don't have to be literate to really experience such a wonderful story. And audiobooks, they get into your soul. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel them and you experience them and they really change lives. And that really kept us going, like, and kept me going. And just the US market, obviously, as well, because it progressed at a higher higher rate than than what Australia did at the time you know yeah. talk to me about yeah. the change in technology in that yeah. time because you've seen yeah. cassettes cassettes, c- CDs. cassettes CDs then mp3 CDs and now downloading so cassettes no longer exist even though it's only been probably the last five years that some libraries in the UK have stopped say buying them so it, it went to CD oh, only so as it's recent only as five. five years yeah so yeah, you know well, one of the things is I know a lot of people think that it's all going download and it certainly is but you know the tangibility of the physical disc is still very very popular it's not huge but it's holding steady and I would ima- imagine it would be popular amongst a certain age group they it find is. it hard to navigate technology it is yeah. exactly so and that's why libraries continue to stock it and um so so cds are going really well but we we created the mp3 cd which was even before downloading so it's an mp3 file which is the same as a download file but distributed on a disc so it's basically it's a tangible download file that you could play on a dvd player or in your computer or whatever i guess what we're up against now is computers don't have cd drives so it's now come to apps essentially so um and what the, the biggest thing that technology has done, you know, going from cassettes to CD to MP3 CD, and, you know, we're really exploring USB sticks and things like that, but download is kind of where it is, is it broke down every single geographic physical barrier to distributing and getting this content mm. to consumers mm. for audiobooks. That's what it did. Mm. So what it did, it opened up this whole world of possibility and it was massive, absolutely massive. But what we found is there was this world of possibility, but not many people knew about the category. There was still, you know, I think it's only up until five years ago that people really truly understand. I say I'm an audiobook publisher and they go, oh, so do you work for the blind associations and all of that? I'm like, no, mm. it's actually people listen to them while they do other things because mm. people are either time poor or they're time rich. So, mm. yeah, and it's, it's, it's then been just this massive education process of making people aware of the format and where you get it. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell me about, I mean, so the, the, the surgeons has been unbelievable in the last it couple of been. years. Yeah. But there are yeah. still only very few players in the market. In terms of where you can buy them yes. digitally. Yes. Yeah, there is. Look, I think that um, it, it's it's pretty much 
Audible started their business, John, Don Cat started his business when I started publishing audiobooks. So over 35 years ago, it oh, would wow. be now. Is that how long you've been in it? Yeah, yeah. So I published my first audiobook when I was 21. Right. So it's been a, a long, a long haul, you know, yeah. in terms of the category and seeing the changes. But every year the opportunities get bigger. But, you know, we obviously need to learn as a business how to navigate this digital shift, which we are, because we, you know, created borrow box for libraries, mm. which is absolutely fantastic. Um, but, you know, the, the dominant player is Audible. And the thing is, they've been there the longest. They've been navigating this the longest. And they're obviously Amazon owned and, and iTunes. So, you know, the big game changer was, you know, music. Music has really forged the way for audiobooks. But people consume it differently. That's mm. the only thing. And yeah. how do they consume it? Well, I think that, um, you know, listening to music, it's like a one or two minute song. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whereas listening to an audiobook, it can be a 10-hour commitment, yeah. essentially. So, you know, there has, I think that audiobooks are growing and their popularity is growing because people can digitally access music and music has in the iTunes store for example has sat along or audiobooks have sat alongside music so you've you know you've exposed basically all these music listeners to audiobooks which has been terrific but getting them to go from listening to an album to a 10 hour listen is the biggest challenge for mm. us and getting them to consume books because what we find is people who listen to audiobooks don't read they don't read. Like there are avid readers who are avid listeners, but, you know, our market has very much been like um, people who have never listened to or read a book before. You so know, you're tapping into a, a mar- completely yeah. new market altogether. It's so Another way to get story. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I see it as well. Like a part, a big part of our business has been truck stops, you know, selling CDs through truck stops and truck drivers and grey nomads and people driving distances. And the stories that we get are unbelievable. But what I love it, I, what I love most about it is that books and exposure to books and families' exposure to books and storytelling is so important because everyone's got their story. And so when you have a truck driver who now is encouraging his children to listen to audiobooks 
Whereas probably naturally before they wouldn't even pick up a book mm. because they don't see it. I think that's a real game changer just full stop, mm. you know, for, so for the, the whole business you, of audio books and content and storytelling and, you know, exposure to language words, yeah. all of that, which is crucial for literacy. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, people often ask me just through Facebook comments yeah. um, through our community whether audio books have the same literacy value as reading yeah. books for their children. Yeah. And I say yeah. to them always, as long Absolutely. as they're getting the story. Yeah. You know, yeah. It is just what, however they consume it. Yes. Um, is, yeah. is. Really, that's just it's format. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, reading is decoding. Listening is something completely different. And, you know, the the reason why audiobooks are becoming so huge is that we're spoken to for the first five years mm. of our life. Mm. And listening comprehension precedes reading comprehension. So mm. it just makes sense that everybody's loving listening to stories and books and ideas and, and all of mm. that. And you can listen to a book that is like three or four reading levels higher mm. than what your current reading level is as well. So it exposes all of this oh, new language right? and yeah. ideas. So, uh, you know, a six-year-old can listen to Harry Potter. Oh, right. How amazing is that? Yeah, that is and st- amazing. And understand it. Yeah. But maybe wouldn't be able to decode the words through reading. So, And because we produce audiobooks that are all complete and unabridged, you can actually read along. So you've got the book and the audio together yeah. as well, if you like. And I know my daughter, Sienna, she's just um, read Animal Farm by George Orwell, which we published. And I'm like, you should do the book and audio together. It's going to help you understand it so much more. She said it's the best thing she ever did mm. because she's still got that the sound of the narrator, you know, in the voice of the old pig or, you know, of the horse or the crow or whatever in the story and it just resonates with her brain Mm. and her thinking about the story in such a different way. She's 13. She's 13. Yeah, yeah. So I want to talk about that generation because Mm. they are listening more. They are. They are. And so I hear, and, you know, I don't have any stats around this, it's just the bits and pieces that I read, Mm. but that, you know, people are, for instance, deciding not to drive because they want to listen to um, music or podcasts or listening to a book. So young people more and more are becoming listeners, aren't they? They are. They are. Do you have stats around that? I have, well, I've got my own personal experience from my kids because my eldest daughter, she's turning 21 this year. And she's like, she's even using like the robotic voice on her computer to read her study notes rather yeah. than reading them as well. She said, I just understand it so much more. So I think it's just they're always on the go. Yes. They get this freedom associated of listening while they do other things. Yeah. And I just, it's just a new way, I guess. There's audible learners and there's obviously, you know, learners who, who learn from reading and writing. And I think that there's more on the audible side and visual side mm-hmm. than there is any other way. So, mm. you know, it's just exposing them to so much more than okay. they ever have before. Do so. you think it will change books as we know it? Like that, well, mm. I mean, books yeah, yeah, is yeah. the format, but yeah. let's say it's yeah. the story style as well. Yeah. I always, whenever we have a, have a author come into the studio, they're always like, gee, I wish I had read it first at aloud mm. because I would have written it differently. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. So I think from the perspective of authors narrating their own books, there are potential changes, yeah, yeah. if that was your question, yeah, yeah, in terms of how authors think about how their book will be read out aloud and what it would mean to the listener 
listening to somebody read it to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, that was my question. You know, that's so, so that's that's changing a lot. Like Morris Gleitzman said, always says to me, the book's not getting shipped to the printer until I've read it out aloud and been in the studio to record it because he makes changes, you know, and he sees the work in a completely different light than what he would just reading it back to himself. So, and we had, we've had a lot of authors who say, gee, I wish I had have read this out aloud before I actually submitted it, you know, final to the publisher to print it. So I think there will be changes. There's no doubt. And yeah. I think that, I think that, um, audio books are going to be just in themselves their own ecosystem. And I think that there will be books that get created into audio books. Yes. And there will just be audio books. And so there will be books that maybe don't get picked up to be made into books or whatever. They will be audio books. Like ebooks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in a different way, I think that, you know, when, if I'm getting a book, um, that is only for audio, we will work really alongside the author to make sure that it can be bought, brought to life audibly rather than it being correct grammar or whatever it may be, you know, in terms of a physical book. So mm-hmm. we're actually editing it, editing it for an audio experience rather than for an actual physical reading experience. So, so I want to talk about that process because I'm having yeah. trouble getting my head around it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So describe to me how that happens. So yeah. you've chosen, start from the process, so you've chosen yeah. a, a story that you're going yes. to read. Yes, yes, um, yes. Yeah. Firstly, finding a reader. Yes, yes. So the first thing we have to do is obviously read the book and speak to the author. So um, we always want to know from the author the voices of the different characters in their head, how they visualise them, what they would be like, what their personality traits would be. Because what's interesting about what we do, we have a single voice read an entire book. So, And in some instances, um, like, for example, the Kate Morton book that we just produced, The Clockmaker's Daughter, there was 16 characters Oh. Of which Joanne Froggett had to have a different voice, tone of voice, personality for all of them. And it has to be a real seamless experience. So who we cast, how we do it has to do with how much dialogue is there. Is it a female protagonist? What country is the book set in? What other characters have voices from other countries, you know, that might be, you know, Slovenian speaking in English or Russian accents. or accents, yeah. whatever it may be. So these, like a lot of people call them actors, but really they're narrators. They're bringing this story to life and they're taking on all of these characters and they're doing dialogue between the British, the Russian, the Chinese, all of that all together and you wouldn't know it would be a single voice. So it really is a complete art. That is so, a really – it seems like it a is. very difficult job. It is absolute difficult job. So what our um, narrators or actors do, they use a highlighter and go through the book a lot of the time and give every character a different colour essentially. Ah, so then they know – who the character is and so on. You know, we, we have, there has been a lot of trial and error. We have done some books where we, you know, maybe didn't pay enough attention to detail and we've got to the end of the book and it said she said in her Scottish accent 
and we made her English. <laughs> so we had to go through and re-record everything. Oh, and I'm wow. like, okay, this is just to keep us on our toes. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, we you can know, do so it. So it's fine. We can do it. We can fix it. How long yeah, does it take? So it's months of preparation, it is, isn't it? Yeah. So look, the the actors normally, they read the book. So read the book a couple of times, prepare, yeah. um, get it ready. Look, there are some who, depending, you know, it's their craft. The yeah. ones who are just doing narration day in, day out are absolute experts. And it's like the 10 out, 10,000 hour rule, right? The more they do it, yeah. the better they get at it. They Practice. just, it's their art, it's their yeah. craft. So, um, usually to record and make the audio book, if it takes 10 hours to listen to from a consumer's point of view, it'll take maybe 40 hours. Wow. To basically record produce. and produce and master, so it's beautiful. Yeah. And for children, it's it's actually a lot higher because we like to score all of our audio books with music and sound effects and fun stuff, essentially for children. So it's really uh, a, a pure entertainment experience. And that can take, it might be one hour, but it might take us 10 to 20 hours to produce it. So, so it just really depends. So we put a lot more vigour into the whole kids' experience because the amount of entertainment materials that we're actually competing with for kids, mm. kids are very visual these days, you know. So to have this only audio experience, it's got to be unique and amazing. So mm. the types of people that you have, to so the team would be... So it's going to be narrators, but it's yep. also going to be... Producers and sound engineers. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and what we try and do, we make it as a collaborative process as what we possibly can. So we like the authors to be involved every step of the way. They're always on speed dial with us. It's yeah. like, you know, if there's something we're not sure about, we always go back to them and say, what do you think we want to do it this way? Or, you know, we're having trouble researching this name. Can you give us some insight or help us out? So... Our goal ultimately is to remain as true as we possibly can to the written work yeah. and bring it to life in a way that it's just true to, and, and as authentic to that as we possibly can, which I think we're generally successful at doing because yeah. our ratings on on Audible and, and iTunes and all, they're very high. You know, we're normally You've got a great reputation. four or five-star yeah. reviews, but it's, it's the quality of what we do. Yeah. You know, I think that we just go above and beyond because – Nothing's worse than having the opportunity to pitch your audio book to a listener and it's a horrible experience. Mm. I'll never listen again, <laughs> you know. So, you don't. And yeah, really, so. if it's not good to start with, you don't stay with it, no, do you? No, no, you don't. You Talk don't. to me yeah. um, about Borrow Box because yes. that, again, I think um, is a really unique idea. It is. It is. And yeah. it wasn't It wasn't only our idea. I think the, the amazing part about BorrowBox, and look, it's such a great story and I love that product so much. So, you know, we, audiobooks, unabridged audiobooks are really long. Yeah. So to download them is really, it's quite a slow, it can be quite a slow process. So yeah. we had a lot of, a lot of stuff that we had to figure out. So <laughs> As you know, we, we were born out of a library supply business yeah. essentially and what we wanted to do was help libraries throughout the world navigate this digital shift from physical CDs to digital audiobooks and we wanted to make the user experience unbelievable. So basically my husband who owns the business along with me, so my father retired, not retired, right. but we wanted to keep investing in the business and my parents said, 
yeah, we love what you do and we want to watch you grow and all of that, but we're kind of done in terms of where we're at. We want to still help you. And, you know, my parents have been an incredible help with my daughters and my dad in terms of bringing in sales and all of that. So it is a family affair, but they get to enjoy their life and kind yeah, of the, it's a next generation. All of that. It's next yeah. generation. And my husband's incredible because he came into the business and, you know, incredible guy, unbelievably smart. He's the CEO and he basically, I've always been very creative and and love content and love books and he's been the complete opposite of that. So, you know, running the business, running the finances, great in terms of developing new products technologically. So we, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Do you have a, techni- a technical we have brain? A, yeah, so we, well, I do to a point. I'm really detailed even though I don't give myself credit for it. And, you know, I've had to I've had to do stuff and yeah. teach myself things because, right. you know, when we were, when I was growing the business, I had to do all the finance and accounts and all of that kind of stuff because there's no one else to do them and I couldn't That's afford business. to pay anybody. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. yeah, so I've done – I keep saying to everybody in my business, you know, I, I used to pack the audio books and all of that and it's good to do those things. Yes. And, you know, um, it's wonderful now that I don't have to and I've got this great team of people who, who do. But we basically – we came up with um, – being an Australian publisher, I think that our isolation often works against us, against us, but also gives us this opportunity. So we've never, you know, no one's ever going to take our books, our audio books, and sell them the way that we do with no. the passion and the love and the care. So there's been a number of American companies who have a similar download solution that are aggregators, but we've always been about the content, the Australian content and really serving the needs of individual communities. So we created BorrowBox. Uh, someone's at the door, guys. Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, so we created BorrowBox. And what BorrowBox is essentially, it's a, it's like a an iTunes or an Audible that you can basically get in your public library and you can authenticate it with your public library membership and it enables you to borrow e-books and audio books by way of digital loans, so two-week loan periods at a time. So it's available online on a website but you can also get it via an app so you've basically got your public library in your pocket 24-7. So, so when how we first, does that technology yeah, work? Yeah, so how it works, look, it's we built it. Yeah. Essentially, that's what we did. So we first of all, what we had to do was make sure that the user experience with getting audiobooks digitally was super easy. So we had to make it completely interoperable. And what that means is we wanted to work on any operating system, whether it be a Windows-based operating system or an iOS. And then we were just very fortunate enough for apps to to come into play and so BorrowBox is basically everything ha- happens within the app. So you authenticate similar to it's like online banking, yeah. you know, with your local library and you've got this whole, you've got your library shelf there on your phone, iPad, you name it, and you can just borrow the digital books yeah. and inside the app is an ebook reader and also an audiobook player. Yeah. And we had to remaster all of our audiobooks so you could download them in half an hour segments at a time so you could start listening instantly because the files were so big. And it's just it's basically available um, now in every public library in Australia except for a few. And um, we opened in the United Kingdom, I think it was maybe seven years ago. So <clears throat> the whole country of Ireland runs it. 
you know, yeah. and 75% of libraries in Great Britain were in the Netherlands and forging into Europe and it's amazing. So do you sleep you much? Know? Do I sleep much? <laughs> well, I try to. It's a 24-7 thing, you yeah. know, it, it, even for my kids. It's the business is yeah. who we are. I often say to people there's like... I spend time with myself in the morning. I get up at 5 a.m. and do my morning routine. I'm a really – my mentor, Robin Sharma, helps me keep my head right. Like yeah. So I felt like I, I can do what I do and then my kids, then obviously the business and, yeah. and obviously my marriage and relationship yeah. and family is, yeah, is all in work. that. And then I have this incredible book group as well So where we um, – we read books together as well and it's all these amazing entrepreneurial women, which is fantastic, and then travel. So, you know, my husband's German, he lives in Germany, his family lives in Germany, we do a lot of travel and we've got this amazing team of, you know, 15 people in the UK who are doing their thing with all of our content over there. So we've kind of gone from publishing every major Australian author to expanding on that now. So we have a UK market editorial strategy in Australia, New Zealand, US, you name mm. it. So no we're publishing you. everything, which which is fantastic. Yeah. There's no stopping yeah. you, Rebecca. Um, yeah. We uh, we love being associated with you. I have always, way before I met you and mm. way before I even met your dad, I loved <laughs> the brand and I loved the idea of it. Yes. Um, so it's yeah. such a privilege to work yeah. with you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere. Or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. 
And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.